Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 92 of Games My Mom Found. I am Mike Helperton. Who are the mics with me tonight? Back from the dead, Michael K. Hughes. And I'm Mike Fallick, b- being told derogatorily to call himself Guest Mike. <laughs> <laughs> the insult level of Guest Mike. Oh, my gosh. That's what happens when you have it's like, Mike, It's like, Mike, you know, Mike. Sister Wives? You know, Sister Wives? It would like it would be like if one of them called me, these are my Sister Wives, and this one is the crappy wife. Like, <laughs> that's how it feels to me right now, being called Guest Mike. Yeah. This is like, you know, you know, I've had this in history, too, where, like, I'm a younger brother. So it's like, they always oh, yeah. call younger brothers the lesser or the minor. <laughs> and I'm like, screw you guys. Like, whatever. I, you're lesser. I'm not lesser. You're lesser. It's just like when you have a friend come over to play games, you got to use the nice first party controllers and they have to use, like, the Mad Cats one that you know, lights up. You know, I would always give people the cooler controller um, when I had people over to game. Now, there's two sides to that. One, the big era of me giving people controllers because of my childhood was like playstation one and two era and the cooler looking ones were usually worse like the ea sports ones that were like white it's like that's not a good controller but they can <laughs> they can, they can have it but i would always give the other person the cooler controller I really would i never did i never did that i would always and, and then i feel like those people br- i'm sorry i'm having like a lot of emotions right now because i was called <laughs> I guest mike and i can <laughs> i'm guest mike anyway it makes you the GM, though. You're guest, Mike. You're the GM. GM, the GM. Everyone roll. <laughs> <laughs> and before go we go for, too go far. What? Just roll. Everyone start rolling. <laughs> I want to play already. Oh, Mike, where are people might know you from? Uh, I am currently the creator of a project called hashtag cult.org. Um, we are investigating red pill cults, uh, which are one of which is MGTOW. We have a podcast called hashtag cult podcast. Um, we're trying to sort of change the Internet to stop people from scapegoating their emotions into uh, kind of hateful groups um, like red pill groups and all those different things. You also know me from a much more fun show called Hack Thought Podcast, which is about like just stupid stuff, (laughs) like dumb things, like whether or not pepper should be on tables. My number one like cause my hack thought is a thought you don't think to think about. Should pepper be on tables? Absolutely not. I agree with that. It makes no sense in the world. Those are my two things. Hey, but during COVID, there's no pepper or salt on the tables anymore. So. Oh, one of the big benefits that I don't have to watch <laughs> other people eat. Oh, it's amazing. So there's some good things. You just have to look on the bright side. I have not seen someone like eat a sandwich or stir their coffee. It's oh, I can't tell you how disgusting I find. I put stuff in my coffee. I don't want to watch other people stir their coffee in little cauldrons spilling. It's like watching someone click something on a computer it's like everyone else is always doing it much worse than you like you want to like click for them like no move the mouse this way i hate watching people anyway is this this is about <laughs> video games right sometimes yes and and uh co-host mike you want to introduce what we're gonna be talking about tonight we're talking, <clears throat> talking about 1993 slash 94's castlevania bloodlines for the sega genesis all right where do you get 93 from by the way uh the original wikipedia said it came out here in 93 but this other wikipedia says is 94 everywhere so oh yeah i see okay we'll i'll go with 94 mean. i'm gonna go with the is it not crazy how you know nerds without pants another podcast that we both enjoy has experienced yes. this as well how insane is it that a digital media and recording on a digital media people are like i don't know when this game came out <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, two different things on there <laughs> <laughs> like it's a it's a consummate problem just like uh some year it's like you made a computer 
program and you wrote it on a computer, how do you not know when it came out? It's a serious issue. It, it indicates where we are in the world. Well, in the 90s, like they didn't really keep track of like I know like Mario, they don't even know exactly when Mario came out in America. They didn't really it wasn't keeping track of it first. That's bonkers to me. That's crazy. <laughs> they, 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 have it, they have it narrowed down, but I don't think they know the exact date that it came out in like New York where it was test market or when it came out everywhere else. Like it just wasn't stuff that was nobody cared. And it's like to me, it's just weird. Like anytime you're going to release a product, well, I don't care if it's the 60s, 70s, or 80s, you think you'd have everything kind of written down. Like, hey, this is when we launched. This is what our sales are. This is what's happening. Just so you can, you know, make important decisions like it's just stupid to me like file your taxes <laughs> like what are we doing only it's, it's only for the poor to file taxes the rich they don't have to worry about that yeah mario doesn't Power. pay taxes I don't, <laughs> that's like... yoshi yoshi's a tax evader right for some reason <laughs> is he for some reason i don't know some meme that some joke that went yeah. online for a while that yoshi was evading his taxes well it sounds hilarious <laughs> all right let's move on to like good stuff not memes uh, well, th- this game this game surprised me i actually didn't even know this game existed until i got into emulation some years back and i first found it on an emulator site and i was like what the hell is a castlevania game on a genesis i knew about uh i knew castlevania rogue whatever that they just remade or made a sequel to that was on uh genesis i knew that one i'm not sure what you're talking about rogue core no castlevania hardcore excuse okay. me okay contra uh, hardcore contra, contra- hardcore what am I saying? <laughs> you had me very Contra confused. Hardcore. I'm like, I know I it's a Castlevania to, game. Wow. I okay. meant to start talking about Contra and other things from the same people. Anyway, cut yeah. that out, people. It's all Konami. Castlevania? Yeah, I know. I was trying to talk about other <laughs> Konami-ish, and something went wrong. They had a few. They weren't. Bi- I feel like they weren't as big in the Genesis as they were in the Super Nintendo, at least not as well known. But you are right. They did bring the Contra series over the Hard Corpse. They brought the Turtle series over with Hyperstone Heist. You had this game. It's kind of- Surprising, given how like visceral and bloody that Contra and Castlevania are, that you think they'd be more at home on Genesis, since Nintendo is very anti that kind of stuff in the nineties. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, but actually, when you think about it, how bloody are Contra and Castlevania? Uh, enough that Europe turned everyone into robots for the Contra releases. <laughs> yeah. Well, but like, no one bleeds in Contra. Yeah, everyone just explodes. No one, yeah, no one bleeds in Castlevania, even though it's even though it's there's no blood in a game about vampires. Like, and especially the ones that are on Nintendo, there's no there's no blood. Now, yeah. I, now I, the goriest detail of Castlevanias, and this is my theory, and I have introduced this to the internet. I'm happy to share it right now. In terms of gore, <laughs> is you find meat in the walls, right? <laughs> now, my theory has been for a long time that during that era, Dracula and whatnot, catacombs were a very big thing. And perhaps in order to beat Dracula, the Belmonts partake in some dark magic and are eating dead human bodies. <laughs> perhaps dead vampire bodies, old, old relatives of Dracula that give them some sort of because why would eating meat give you health? Why would there be meat in the walls? You put more thought in this than I have ever had. <laughs> the more thing is, when you play has. a Castlevania game, you're watching, like, the same thing for, um, ever. So, like, I've been playing some Castlevania games, like, Castlevania 1. I've been playing for, like, six years and haven't beaten, like... It's a hard game. Yeah, it's like, tough. so, all you have to think about is, I'm the worst, I'm a failure, jump, 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 okay, what is the meat in the wall? So that's... <laughs> Other than that, nothing else happened. I, I, I can see where you're coming from. I mean, I never really thought about it. It never even dawned on me to think about that concept. I was like, okay, but you know, I've got more. Point. You want to hear more? The chain, the chain whip. Those are those are chandelier chains. Why else would you whip a candlelight 
and get chains. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can buy that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can buy that. One. Not the catacombs one that they're eating vampires in order to get kept in the catacombs of Dracula's mm-hmm. house in order to get power. Challenging their dark. Do you want to talk about this game or just all the theories I have? <laughs> it doesn't quite game. roll off the tongue as well as Wall Chicken, though. Yeah, no, I but can, I can no buy one it, keeps chicken in the wall. Just to make me happy because I'm guest Mike. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because you do have. I mean, it's something I never have thought about. I never want to think about after this conversation. But I can see it. Like you know, I mean, they are. You are right. Like you eat a chicken, you don't all of a sudden feel healthier. You just don't feel hungry. And the Sims have taught us anything. Sometimes you just hungry worse. Yeah, yeah, you feel worse. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. The flesh of vampire stuffed in I mean, the walls. But that's one thing is so like this game, I do have to say, like this game, this setting really grabbed me. One, I love World War One, World War Two. And this game takes place in 1917, I want to say, during World War One. And mm-hmm. I think that is so damn cool because that that is a part of history that not a lot of fiction likes to tie itself to for some reason, even though I think World War One is super damn interesting. But for some reason, a lot of people stay away from it. At this in this era too, in the nineties, um, this was a big thing in you know heavy metal. Well, uh, yeah, well, I'm saying in the nineteen nineties when this game was was made, it's not wasn't made in the eighteen nineties. Who knows? Wikipedia could say it came out in eighteen (laughs) nineties. Whatever. Nineteen seventeen is World War One. Eighteen ninety seven is when Dracula was killed by Quincy Morris, which is before this game, which is a Dracula novel. Yeah, yeah. They tried to they brought Dracula novel tie into the story of this, of the Castlevania. Sorry. And if you want to go on what you were saying after I interrupted. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I like, I'm big into the, um, to the actual Dracula book. It's one of my favorite. And by the way, the original Dracula book is about a romance novel. So stop making fun of twilight. Um, but anyway, <laughs> it's a, it's set between love letters between two people, but the world war one at this time in the era of like horror and stuff was huge. You know, you had a lot of horror animators and horror comic book writers doing world war one. So I also was like shocked to see the world war one stuff. And then was like, okay, this is like, I get it for the era and all those different things. Also a map that like correlates with something struck a chord with me. This is set. Like you see like a proper map of Europe. I don't know that in any other Castlevania game, I don't know. Is it Transylvania? Like when you're looking at the map in the overworld, like, is that an accurate map? I've never thought to look at it. I've never looked at it. To give yeah. that much thought. But this well, game distinguishes itself with being very distinct. Like, Oh wow. That's Europe. Cause this yeah, game also is the damn first near time. every other Castlevania game. This just takes place in or around the castle. This is the first time you're like yeah. globe trotting, so to speak. You don't usually do that in, in Castlevania. Yeah. So I, I, but I mean, but maybe it is like maybe somebody took a map of where Cassius, where Cassius Dracula was, where Dracula's <laughs> castle was, and was like, here, bring that into the game, you know? Because I know these people liked, you know, there's all these references to the book and all these different things, and that's a tourist destination. I now want to go back and like look again. It's these things that surprisingly there's there's nothing to do in Castlevania. It's so hard usually that like it's so shocking that these few details have escaped me. What does the map actually represent in Dracula? I mean, in Castlevania. I think it's just the castle. I mean, three would be the only one where you're really traveling up the countryside because in one, you're right in the castle. Two, I don't think has a map. Four is just a remake of one. So yeah, only three would be the only one I can think of. And even then, it's mostly just the, the grounds around the castle. Yeah, but there's maps for everything. You're t- like, they, there's maps for stuff. They're allowed to make maps. You don't have to be a country. Like, there's no map license. It might be a real map of, like, Dracula's castle. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about it now. And also wall chicken. <laughs> um, the one map I did find is from Castlevania three and it just shows the castle and has a different type of items that you would go to around the castle. Cool. But again, I, this is not an official map. I can't find the one from the game as we're speaking. 
Because when you search Castlevania maps, it comes up with the maps of the levels, not the map that I want. So, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. The internet is much more difficult than it should be, isn't it? Sometimes, yes. Especially when you're trying to do a podcast, you're looking for a particular thing on a conversation. You're like, mm. <laughs> all right, yeah, I it's, found it's very I frustrating did... when when someone's making a claim about it and you have no evidence to tell them they're wrong. Like, so I yeah, I should terrible. just keep making the claim. Which is I like... did find the map of three. Okay. It is just the castle, and it shows the things around the castle. So it's like a very small area of the country. So you couldn't really know what your if it was anything like uh, that. Yeah, but why are we traveling? Does there is that ever mentioned? Yes. Yeah, like, you're, you're a. Chasing Elizabeth Bartley as she's going around Europe trying to uh, tap into all the powers of darkness to resurrect Dracula. And so wait, why... is that Wikipedia or is that on like a screen that I saw? It's in the intro screen if you don't press start. Oh, yeah, no, because I'm very frustrated and want to start <laughs> playing the game again. Obviously, I'm going to press start. And I want to say, I'm going to make a wild claim myself. I want to say Elizabeth Bartley is based on a real character. In the, in the books? No, in, in real life, it's based on some psychopath, if I remember correctly. But I think I'm... I'm trying to think if Elizabeth Bartley is supposed to be based on the count. There was some countess that was that would kill would kill virgins and, and bathe in her blood. That was crazy. Then got murdered. But I, I'm trying. I don't know if that's what they base this on or not. Um, I started to make that claim, but then it didn't work <laughs> out so well. Vampire yes. Countess Elizabeth Bartley is loosely based on the actual historical figure. Oh, boy. Elizabeth Bathory? That's Countess true. Elizabeth Batory inspired numerous stories and fairy tales, says Wikipedia in the 18th and 19th <laughs> century. The most common motifs of these work was that the Countess was bathing in her victim's blood in order to retain their youth. Yes. Yeah. But here's what nobody talks about when they say this stuff. Like, did it work, though? Did she look young? Like, I know it's horrible and whatever, but like that was 200 years ago. <laughs> did it work? Because like, did it work? Like, whatever. Uh, we all can't be young forever, but maybe a little bit of blood would help. <laughs> 1729 is the first time a Jesuit scholar named, ooh, get ready for name, Laszlo Turok III. It's not that, <laughs> nice. but I'm just saying it's Laszlo Turok III. Uh, this might be a, 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 a legend that came up because of misogyny. So I'm good for now. Anyway, <laughs> does blood make you young? No one really answers that question. What do you want? To, I'm sure somebody knows that answer. Uh, Elizabeth. You got to go to the dark <laughs> web for that. The red web. <laughs> Okay, also, while we're on, like, just pedantic issues, as someone that's played a bunch of Castlevanias, the password system, a little bit better. Sucks that there is one, but a little bit better. You guys are emulating. Did you actually use it at all? <laughs> no. No, pretty no. not. I saw them. So Castlevania, in general, has a better password system than most games because of the symbols and things like that, and it makes it a little bit less annoying to write down. And especially in the age of phones, like it's just so easy to take a photo. This has a very intuitive thing where instead of having to, A, this game doesn't employ the select button, which a lot of the Nintendo games do. Instead, you kind of use a button to move from side to side to choose the symbol and then another button enters it. So it actually makes it like fairly easy if you have it written down to almost not even look at your um, at your uh, game space there, the, the, the password screen. Um, you can see that. Yeah. I, I unfortunately never, never played this. The real cartridge. I never even. I didn't know it existed <laughs> until way later. I don't. Have I feel a like I read right this at some point. So I definitely played it when I was younger, but I don't know how I would have. I have something to say about cartridges and emulations before we go on, because I'll say right now. I mean later, and before we go on, I'll say this. I bought a fake cartridge, which I have never bought in my game collection before, so that I could play this. So I don't actually know if I'm playing the original or a ROM put onto uh, what is very clearly a pirated quote-unquote reproduction um, probably a rom but even then the rom is the same game 
yeah. So there's, but, but there's I, even in emulations when I because I checked out because I wanted to know about you criminals on this show. <laughs> <laughs> experience it the same way even the roms are slightly different where where you go and the emulations are slightly different so it's hard to know right. whether someone edited maybe something like that to make it work on a, on a rom but um this is my first pirated disc uh pirated cartridge i mean it was uh there was not music in places i'm pretty sure there's music <laughs> but other than that it played really well actually it played better than some real you cartridge. can actually like the one thing nice they actually did re-release this game not too long ago on the castlevania arcade collection for ps4 and pc and xbox and steam too yeah, I, I have it, but I don't, it doesn't have save state, so I bought it, so I own it, but I cannot play it because I need save states. Because <laughs> I would have never gotten out of stage stage two, probably, or stage three of this game if I didn't have save states, because fuck this game. Really? For a bit. Real, really? Game. Okay, so where do other Michael, co-host Michael, Michael the first, mm-hmm. we, are, we are Borg, okay? <laughs> Borg, where did you get... When uh, just like in, in playing this game with even without save states, where could you get to? I didn't start abusing save states until like the munitions factory thing, stage four ish. Stage four. Wow. It, uh, man, it gets tough. It gets tough real quick. I, I also started using save states and a guide at around stage four. I could not get past. I wanted to do this different than how I, I have like an affliction with playing games where it's like I have to play it exactly the same way that it was played during the era. I have to not look stuff up. I have to not use a guide as long as I surge. <laughs> yeah, I got to get my surge. I have to think about whether or not I like this Bill Clinton fella. You know, it's just all about being in that era. And like for me. I, I try and like get get that, but you guys kind of inspired me to be like, okay, you want to, Michael, as this weird art historian kind of person, you have to have it the way it was at the time in order to understand it. Like, but these people on this show enjoy it in this totally different way, and you are ignorant to it. So I made this real concerted <laughs> effort to be like, I'm going to use a guide. I'm going to use an emulator at some point. Try it out. Do save states. Even though I bought a fake, I'm going to buy a fake cartridge. Like, I'm going to do everything the way that you guys did it, and it was it was fascinating because. I could beat this game. I actually think it's easier than a lot of other Castlevanias. I, I, I actually think it's quite forgiving, except easier for easier than Rondo, but that's not saying a lot. <laughs> I haven't I haven't played I have Rondo or Dracula on, X. Dracula X Super Nintendo is a is a bitch. Well they're <laughs> all they're all incredibly difficult. They're all yeah, Dra- incredible. Dracula X, that final boss fight with Dracula, you you fight him on pillars where he can knock you off the pillars and kill you instantly. It is mm. ridiculous. I'm... We'll get there someday. But <laughs> like, like even Castlevania One, a lot of people are like, "Oh man, Castlevania classic!" Like, you know, you're going through the 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 clockwork and the gears and stuff. It's like I've barely in six years, I just got to that level. So like, I do feel like there's this thing with old games where people don't want to admit, like, "Yeah, I've never been to that part of the game. I only know it from like an internet video." Oh, it's, um, it's I can't. I mean, I'll admit right there, all those games. I've I played three multiple times in my life, and I've never gotten anywhere in it. I just it's too damn hard. <laughs> Three is brutal, and 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 me beating and like getting to, I got to not Dracula. Like there's a giant bat towards the end. I want to say like it's ridiculous. And so for this, I was like, I'm gonna use a guide. I'm gonna use save states. I got to level two, three on my own. Then I had to use a guide. I could not beat the levels without a guide. I went with through a walkthrough the whole time, and then I got to level four, one, and started using save states. Um, <laughs> I stopped playing at level five. I have it opened up right here. Five, <laughs> eight. The game oh, broke <laughs> five something five something five five six or eight but yeah it, it was a totally different experience i did not feel transported to the time 
It, you I'll also give a, us a lot of credit to say that we like playing it that way. It's more like we have to because we have to get this done and start on next week's game or else <laughs> we're still going to be on, on the, the weapons factory in level four forever. Yeah, the show will be a little different. Like, well, how was the ending? Well, I don't know. I couldn't beat this level. <laughs> but you, but I'm, I'm so impressed by that, that like, like for me, like you guys asked me to play a game and I had to play the game. Like it is very impressive that you sort of, you know, as a podcast producer to make guests like not make I, I, for me, it's a pleasure, but like that you find guests who are willing to be like, I have homework, a, a that, significant amount of homework. That can you know be difficult. I mean? <laughs> Certain games. There, there's been a couple where I had to ask people and they're like, what you want me to like you have a hard fun. some people do not want to play a certain games like Paris City 2 that was a tough one my first episode was Operation Raccoon City so <laughs> mm, yeah but what even is that game is uh, the question not Resident Evil <laughs> it's a third person action survival horror game I haven't heard that app yet and now I can and be all educated on that thing raccoon people it's yeah, I don't it I, I enjoy, it's one of those games where I enjoyed it a lot in 2010. I went back and played it in 2019. I went, oh, no. Yeah, less so much. So did you Cast- enjoy this game? <laughs> Castlevania. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I did. One thing about Cast- this, this Castlevania, I think, is also so interesting that we haven't touched on yet is that it has two playable characters, which Castlevania games don't normally. You have Eric Lacard, who's using the Alucard spear, and you have John Morris related to Quincy Morris from the vamp- from the Dracula novel who's using the vampire killer whip you have no Belmonts in this in this game and I don't know it's never explained in this game like the timeline of what happened I can tell you now because I have watched way too much videos about a guy that tells the entire tra- uh, Castlevania timeline I, I love that it's good I love that stuff I love that kind of stuff. Like, like Halo, I never pay attention to the lore. I could watch some dork explain Halo lore. Like, oh, if you want to see hours. Castlevania lore, and this is anyone listening, Gamer Thumb TV on YouTube, he does a timeline thing of the whole Castlevania series, and it is pretty accurate from the from the sound of it. He, and it's really damn good. Like, it, it will go in everything. Like, the reason why there's no Belmont is because after Richter Belmont and Symphony of the Night ends up kind of turning to the dark side for a bit there. The whip then is gets cursed and they cannot use it anymore. And whoever uses the whip will die at an early age. And that's why John Morris is not in the next sequel to this game because the whip ends up draining his after after this adventure and he kills Drac and he fights Dracula and he kills Elizabeth. He doesn't survive everything afterwards. It, it cuts his life short. Gun to my head. This is how I play old games differently than other people. I don't know who the hell any Belmonts are. I've never <laughs> seen that name in the game. It's never mentioned in between levels. All I know is Not guy in skirt with wh- in any of them. I don't ever see that name. Okay, I, here's oh. what I do. The game starts. Pain. I press start and I get frustrated. I don't know who anyone is. I've never heard the name Belmont. I've never seen that on screen because I've never beaten the game. Maybe it says it then. It's, I don't All think I- it does. Not NES. You'd have to play other Castlevania games such like Portrait of Ruin. There, there it would say it for sure. And the Symphony Night, the, the better Castlevania game. Yeah. yeah, I have yet to play Symphony of the Night, which I'm very excited. I my I played so many Castlevanias, and it's all just the frustrating ones. <laughs> I have yet to play the ones where it's like chill, which is why I loved this game. I thought it was a really easy time. I played on normal. I thought you could like actually enjoy it and get far, and like I thought it was really fair, except for no continues, uh, which is ridiculous. Yeah. That was I- insane. I can see that being really because you only get five lives. I mean, you can get extra with you know points that nobody cares about, but it's and not... the oddest way to do the Konami code I've ever seen. It's in this game. It is in this game. You must change the settings, and then in the settings menu, do the Konami code, and then you will get. I could never get it to work, but it apparently does exist. Huh. Huh. Okay, yeah. that's cool. I didn't know I was there. I didn't care either, but I didn't know it was there. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, I don't. I I, I just what played through it? this game. I actually beat this game twice for the show. Really? Okay. How? I saved it. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't have beat it otherwise. I, I wanted to go through each character. Each character is very, very different, though. I, the I one feel. with the whip is very bad, isn't he? Uh, he he's stronger. He takes more. He can take more damage, but he can't hit up when he's standing still. He can only hit diagonally. Yeah, which. Lacard can if he's standing still can you can't jump but you can strike up. I tried jumping striking up and that does not work unfortunately. But I don't know. I I and eh, they both have their their neither one is easier. I would say. Oh, I found the other guy the whoever who has the the spear. Lacard. Yeah. Look, yeah. It, I thought I thought he was much easier to use. I I found it like the range and like I don't know something about that that super jump. There's this move you have in this game that I don't I'm certain is in no other Castlevania I've played. It's not where you have a kind of attacking upward super jump that makes certain levels like the one with the clockwork. Like, did you guys do that on those levels? Oh, yeah. I did not. <laughs> I jumped super in jump normal. all the way up, and it's just like done, bored, go. I did not play that way. Like I probably should have. It's like I didn't a, think about it. Mario Brothers Two, where you hold down down to charge up the jump, and then you can do a super jump. Just go through the whole level, yeah. That's a good way to put it. This game also has 3D. It, it works. Like, I mean, as as Mike, as the as Coho Mike said before the show, or earlier when we were talking, he's like, it doesn't have the, God, what the hell is that thing in Super Nintendo? Mode 7. Mode 7, but it has Nintendo. what you call mode 3.5. It <laughs> tries. It tries to get that 3D effect where things are moving behind you and around you, but it's not the same as what the Super Nintendo can do. Now, yeah. now I was actually referring to, there's a gear monster, and that is actually... Oh, oh yeah. God, That's- that- that's Take such ending. a Sega thing. Like it yeah. instantly made me think of Gunstar Heroes. They do that constantly. Did you ever? Did you ever play? Man, I'm gonna forget the name of this game that I just played. Hold on, Light, Man? Light Crusade. No, not Vector Man. Obviously, I have <laughs> nightmares about Vector Man, the worst game ever. Did you ever play uh, Light Crusader? That sounds familiar. I don't think I've played it. That's one of my favorite Sega games right now. I'm big into Genesis, and like Light Crusader is a isometric. Uh, sort of dungeon crawlery uh, type game, and there's a lot of bosses that look like that. Okay, I, I've never heard of this before. Oh, I pretty, oh, I think I might have played some of this. It looks interesting. It's good. It's good. This okay. is definitely a really good game for the Genesis. If I'm being honest, like the Genesis has a lot of rip and tear and all that kind of stuff, but like this, this plays like a Super Nintendo game. Not like Crusader. Like Crusader definitely plays like a Genesis game, but this Castlevania plays like a Super Nintendo game, and it's a uh, it's a different experience playing it on a, a Genesis. I liked it mm-hmm. a lot. It's just cool that there was a Castlevania game on Genesis. I mean, I just can't get over how I had no idea this game existed. Until emulation, like, and I, I, and I had a Genesis. I bought Genesis games at the local Funko Land, but I just never knew about this game. I found that interesting. Where were, you, where were you game? Because I was a baby. I was, I was two years old when this game came out. So I think, where, well, where were you game wise when this game came out? I was born in '87, so I, I was old enough. So uh, I can't. I'm really bad with year math. So were you? Did you own a Genesis when this game came out or no? Uh, I can't remember. I know I had a Genesis in the '90s, but I don't remember when. I had Super Nintendo first. I don't remember when I got a Genesis though. Yeah, I'm obsessed with the idea of going back in time and understanding the marketing. I just um, know that I pl- I had my Genesis was all based on games that my buddy had. Like he liked Sonic a lot, so I knew all the Sonic games. He liked the Jungle Strike series, so I played Jungle Strike, Urban Strike, <laughs> Desert Strike. I played this. I played stuff like that. I never. He would he wouldn't have been into something like this. I never would have seen it. But I don't think I remember even seeing it at a at a Funkland or anything. Like it just wasn't something that I noticed. Which is the part really that kind weird. of baffles me. I was yeah. at Funkland a lot. I don't know. I don't know what like like it's definitely seems like something they would embrace. You know, in advertising, being like, "This is look. We have like 
a different Castlevania game and, and all those different things. I don't know why. Hmm. I don't know why that would happen. That's Konami. We've, we've learned them the last few years. They don't make the best decisions. <laughs> but as we were talking about earlier, like how this game has you pro- progress through Europe. I do want to say how all the levels are like different. Like the first level starts off in a Romania castle of Dracula from a previous game. I, I want to say from the book and they're going to go find Dracula, but he's not there. You fight some other ra- random monsters and then you start you're ch- chasing after Elizabeth Bartley as she's running across Europe during World War One. I. I think that is just so damn cool. Like, like level four, we've been talking about off and on is a munition factory in Germany where for those that don't know World War One, Germany is kind of considered the villain, sort of. They're not. They are not. But they are considered the villain of World War One because they lost. Well, they didn't really lose, but that, you don't need my you don't need history, Mike, right now. And I think <laughs> well, the, it's ga- so- the gas attacks were pretty bad as well. Yeah, but there, everyone was a lot of people were doing that. But like the reason like Germany, like the whole reason <laughs> I'm going to I'll do the quick version. The whole thing with Germany is that they surrendered the war when they didn't really lose. And that's why World War Two happens later on, because uh, they were pumped up and and propaganda. Yeah, propaganda works. People too much of a foothold to to really actually have lost. That's interesting. Yeah, that, that's what that's why World War Two happens, and they get blamed with all the debt, and they get blamed for everything that happened. They get they're made to pay all this, they're and they're made to suffer for something that they didn't even start, and they just join. It's, and that that and that caused so many problems. But I like in World War One. Everyone stop tweeting at him. Not oh. World War Two. <laughs> Well, World War One and Two are very like World War Two is a symptom of World War One. You just get a different dictator who uses what happened to rally up people to fight, and it's more racist. Where World War One was all about, well, we 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 want a war. Like they really wanted to fight, and I think that's something that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. So in this game, when you go to the Munich Factory, I like how you see skeletons that are building weapons for the German army, and and like how Elizabeth Bartley is helping make this happen so the war keeps going because they need the death in order to resurrect Dracula. And I love that. I, I that little touch of how they're how she's helping make Germany this powerhouse during the during the war kind of made me smile inside. Like, oh, hey, they they know what they're talking about a little bit. I'm but you sure only are skills. there for like a second. It's like the easiest yeah, part le- in the game. That level's hard. See, okay, so this is a thing I can give people advice for with Castlevania and all and Contra as well, and lots of Konami games. A lot of times, people lose in these games because they're scared. In ninety percent of Konami levels, if you just press forward. You make it through about three quarters of the level without getting hit. I mean, I didn't have much problem because I went save load, save load. But I just don't care for that. I, I just thought I thought level was a little challenging. I'm telling you, it's this thing where it's like it's it's challenging when you actually play their game. The, it's the game designers tricking you, and like it's been a lot of contra to figure out. Like literally, just press forward and press jump and shoot every once in a while, and you make it through about three quarters of most run and gun levels. Like. Easy peasy until something challenging happens. If you stop in a Konami game, that's when you're dead meat. Because no, I agree with you on that one. Speed running is like a thing in Konami games because you really can get like a, a, a clip going. And it's like it's way easier once you know the pattern, like especially Contra. We have to play over and over and over again the same thing. Yeah. Um, See, this game I didn't. But also the munition, the only level that has like all the gears and everything that's very famous Castlevania, which I thought was cool, too. They found a way to slip it in without doing a clockwork level for the 10th time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like oh, that but, a lot. but didn't they? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it feels like one, but at least it isn't like you, you are still jumping on gears. Sure. But you're not in a tower. You're in a factory. So I don't know. I just liked it. But yeah, I, I like everything about this game. Honestly, I love the fact that you go to Greece in one level and everything's flooded for some reason. You go to freaking you go up to freaking leaning tower of Pisa in this game while the tower is moving and you're cl- I that <laughs> love that level. It's like the giant just leaning tower of Pisa too. It's like yeah. it's like 90 miles high. It's not real, but I mean and there's no it's just awesome. I hate that boss. I hate oh, that Oh yeah, that boss, boss is awful. Passion. 
but I love the level. That boss was incredibly easy with the guide. Like that was the experience I wanted with this. I wanted to cheat. I wanted to use save states. I wanted a guide. I wanted someone to tell me how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like, like for me, it's just so interesting to like come at this, not being good at Castlevania games, but being like used to the tedium and being like, Oh, I'll just, I'll just let someone tell me what to do. Like, I don't care. Whatever. Who cares? I have no pride. I also, I'm just, I really hate that gear boss too, that we were talking about earlier. Oh, I hated that guy. That was the worst for me. Yeah, again, the guide tells you exactly how to do it, which is like <laughs> for me, for me, like Castlevania is hard, not because the actual motions are hard. There's very few levels where the motions are hard. It's mostly about like figuring out what you have to do, right? Like I recently heard someone describe uh, Mike Tyson's punch out. They're like, it's the reason it was so popular amongst gamers is because it's not really a, a boxing game. It's more akin to like a Star Fox boss or an R-type boss with like just having tentacles and things like that. That it's about moving side to side and doing all those different things. And like you have to figure out the puzzle of how to beat it. Yeah. And I thought that was a brilliant comparison because it's like that's the fun of Castlevania games is figuring it out. And I once I started knowing I was going to try an emulator and save states and a guide, I was like slumming it. I was like, I'll watch a <laughs> playthrough. I don't care. I'm just I'm just living it up. I mean, I'll watch a video and copy it or whatever. I don't care anymore. And it did make it like an, a different experience. But I definitely didn't get as much game stimulation as you guys. Uh, I mean, I, I save status. So I don't know how much simulation I was getting, but I, I beat it twice and I was <laughs> oh, happy. Oh, I save stated too. I save stated. I did I, it all. Whatever. At one point, I used to have the mindset where if I'm safe, I'm not. I'm, I'm cheating myself. So I would try to play the game like, you know, the legitly in quotations. And when I realized I would never finish games, I'm like, screw this shit. I enjoyed. I enjoyed. Who ca- who cares? Like. I remember I had that confliction a while ago and I'm like, and now I enjoy games a lot more since then. I will save if I, in this game, I will usually save state the way you're talking about where save state and like just at, if I don't want to type in a password or just like at a hard level oh, I to practice, I did every hit. I would say, I would walk five feet and save state. Same. I would be one enemy in save state. I, I did try Super Mario world uh, two years ago or before I started this podcast where I tried, where I would only use save states to cut down on the loading times mostly like i would save state before i started a level and stuff like that so i would i would still be playing the game legit but i would be cutting down all like the waiting and everything i just kept going with much faster pace but i yeah. Yeah, since this podcast fuck that. <laughs> that that's <laughs> over with i don't have time so how where, are you super I, I have to keep going on this world war one thing to ask you questions so like do you know like like frank franzetta and heavy metal were those like or like ralph bakshi were those any guys that would like would have made their way into your life in the world of art I know of them, but no, I was never into heavy metal music. Until, I like Linkin Park. Well, oh, no, not heavy metal. Heavy metal, the magazine. Oh, no, I never even heard of it. I've yeah, heard heavy of it, but I never had anything to do with it. Heavy metal magazine is was big at this time, and uh, there were a lot of comics in it. It's, you know, it's R-rated. Oh, I know what you're comics. talking about now. No, I, I, I never had any. The only reason I even know it exists is because of other podcasts that I listen to that have mentioned it. You get a kick out of it because World War One sort of ghost skeleton adventures is like a big theme, especially in nineties heavy metal. And it's still sort of because of that carries through to this day, Frank Franzetta who would do neoclassical style paintings, but Conan, like, right? Conan. Yeah. Okay. That's like, how I know that name. And then Ralph Bakshi was the guy that did the, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings animated, but he was another heavy metal guy. He did fire and ice. Like there's these really cool movies. And, and from this era, especially a lot of animation, which is my background where it comes from a lot about world war one skeleton ghost zombie things. It's a, it's a big theme, you know, which is, it's fitting. It's, you know, the idea of being half alive was a, a trench mentality and, you know, I'm sure there's some people if they were alive in World War One would see some of these comics and be like, uh, 
no, I and a lot of my friends like did lose noses. This is weird that you have people who are deformed and kind of reticent of us. But it's a it's a commentary for sure on the the, the brutality of the war. But one was very some, bad. There's some cool. Yeah, okay. Enough bumming out. There's some cool ish with zombies, and it's pretty rad in like wearing like GI uniforms. It's kind of cool. I, I would I would cool. check it out. I have to look that up then because I, I I'm more into World War Two stuff and World War One fiction, but I I just like I just. In in my in what I've experienced, I never experienced as much about World War One. Now I see what you mean, though. Plus, in history books, they kind of they don't go in much detail about World War One as they should. But you know, <laughs> is it here? Is it there? I I can go. I I, I can get on history rants when the show get, goes there because I I just love certain parts of history a lot. But so like I I I did love that this game pulls you around. Like one of the levels, you go to France. Like and I and there's a part where you go you walk by a fountain. You're walking around in blue water, and all of a sudden everything turns red, and it's like you know you're in a blood fountain, and you start fighting skeleton red skeletons. I I really like that part. That that part really stuck with me. I thought that was just so damn cool. I love that, and I felt that was like simple sort of game horror. It didn't look very realistic, but it did scare me. Like I like that part. A big thing I like about that level that I really like about the Castlevania as well is the holy water is a good weapon in this game, and there's and especially in that level, the holy water helps a lot. It's a, a weapon where you sort of throw it and these flames come out. It, it's normal, a big help. but oh, co-host Mike, you you would probably know this better than I do. This is this the first game with item crush for Castlevania. Uh, it depends on when Rondo came out in Japan. It would have been pretty close. What's Item Crush? It's where you use one of the sub-weapons, but it takes more gems. It's more powerful to use it, which I didn't even know was in this game until I was watching a uh, long play. So that's fun. Oh, <laughs> I found it right away by accident. It is worth noting there's only three sub-weapons in this game. You got the axe, the holy water, and the boomerang, which is not the cross, just a boomerang. Yeah, I like it a lot. I like I like I like I like all the weapons. I like the upgrade to the spears. I like them better than a lot of the other games. I was I was big into the the look of the flaming spear. If you could get it, that was um, that was pretty dope. 1993 was Rondo of Blood, by the way. So mm-hmm. okay, this wasn't the first. I this is the first one that we got though. True, we didn't get Rondo of Blood until later. PSP. Uh, we did. Yeah, 2007. <laughs> okay. See, this is where history is important. This is weird. <laughs> I, I know Castlevania quite well because I have watched a lot about and I, I've been like I've been entrenched in the series since the first I want to say probably Castlevania 3 a friend of mine had it and that's what really got me into the series and ever since then I've been very big into it and I've always just been I haven't always played them because I can't play the original ones but I always have been still engrossed in the series and I, and I love the fiction of it for for moral reasons you can't play the original ones why no I just <laughs> suck oh, I just okay. suck at them there's no I can pick up that controller I have no qualms about fighting death and Dracula I just me I hit buttons and I die so it doesn't work out so well yeah that's all <laughs> there's no moral I know as what you some, mean no but no I'm not that's not me as someone who's into Castlevania all three of us I had an experience at an arcade before COVID uh that was before awesome COVID. It was, sorry, I know, I what is that? Times. Yes, I knew that name long ago. Okay, so <laughs> it was, did you know there is a a Castlevania arcade game? Yes. Sounds familiar. Haunted Castle. I happened upon a cabinet. It was just in Japanese. I went inside, didn't really know what it was, went inside, picked up a sort of uh, PlayStation VR type controller, and I was told to start whipping. And then I started whipping... Uh, you know, uh, vampires and 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 uh, goobs and gopes and all those different things. And I was like, man, that was good. And I go on the outside, and it was. I have a photo of me with the Castlevania cabinet where you really do whip things, and it's a pretty pretty fun cabinet that 
while we're on the topic of things we didn't get in America, pretty rad. A pretty rad arcade game that is worth mentioning if you're going to look up things that are not as common or that you might not have known about in the world of Castlevania. I, I have always someday want to play it. It did. I want to say it got re-released in other places like we we wear maybe. I don't think I'm pulling my leg. Um, but it, it's it's a remake of Castlevania one on arcade with Simon Belmont. And but it's different because he captures a girlfriend or wife or something. But yeah. I mean, I got to come back because I played I played those 3D Castlevanias, too, which are, un, I think, oh, not underrated, but overly lampooned, in my opinion. Oh, Legacy 3D. of Darkness and Castlevania 64. Yeah, they're not eh, they're bad, but they're they're not as terrible. They're just not they just did not do the 3D action the way like Super Mario 64 did. And, and people give it a lot of hate. Yeah, they give it a lot of hate for no reason. And it's like I think if you are not entrenched in that era and you just go back and play it, it's, it's a pretty rad game. You have to know what you're doing. Like I, because I've watched playthroughs of those games multiple times because I, I, I love Castlevania, and it, it doesn't seem as bad as people say. Yeah, have you ever, have you ever put hands to hands on body, hands on a hard body for that game? Uh, I played ten no. minutes of the Castlevania sixty four. Does that count? No, because N sixty four is garbage. I do think that's a garbage system. I would never touch an N sixty four. But for Xbox, which is a real system, uh, oh, you're talking about all oh, Lords of Shadow. Yes. Also, my yeah. mind just went. I love Lords of Shadow 1. That yeah. game is going to be on the show. Yeah. <laughs> I got to come back and we got to shout about World War 1 more. <laughs> World War 1 that one, that. but yeah, well, that's definitely going to be on the show someday cuz I, I really want to replay. It's a good game. I'm watching uh, footage of this arcade game. I had no idea this existed. This you straight looks, up whip and the it looks awesome. Out, the best part about it is like it's not very good, which actually works to his favor in terms of the controls. So, like, you really are in there, like, whoa, like, slamming your hand. It really, like, the, the I don't know if that's purposeful, but the the sort of accelerometer kind of makes you be like, ah, die, skeletons. It's awesome. Yep. Mike, it's not a haunted castle, The what you were talking about before. It's like an on-rails shooter, basically, but you have a whip instead. Oh, okay. I don't know what you're talking about. Then. Yeah, I never heard of. <laughs> I will insane. send you I will tweet a video of me uh, taking my phone charger out of my bag and pretending to whip in slow motion in front of it because I was so psyched on it. <laughs> it's pretty okay. cool looking. It's I'll take rough. it. I'm, I'm interested because now that now I realize I was wrong about what I was talking about. I'm, I'm much more excited. Yeah, it's it's I mean, it's COVID. So like whatever. But like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, all hope and all hope and despair is gone. But like, yeah, like it's good. It's not. Don't be like, oh, man, I never got to live life and go out and play this <laughs> stupid <laughs> Castlevania game. But but if you see it in the times when it's healthy and safe, uh, it's not even where it's good in terms of being surprised, but it's not even worth like stopping eating hot French fries. If you see it, if the choice is between like a slightly hot meal and this game definitely go slightly hot meal. But if you <laughs> otherwise like play it, it's pretty good. Eat your okay. meal and watch the demo reel. You'll, you'll get the same experience. And just swing your arms around. There you go. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, you, you have my attention. <laughs> For which the French fries or the game? Yeah. <laughs> I, I do love me some Castlevania, so I am I do like these type of games. So I'm I'm definitely interested now. Yeah. I do love good. me some French fries. Yeah. See, that's the problem, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not a big French fry person unless I get them the right place. Like I I was when I was in Chicago and we were by Wrigley Wrigley Field and we were hungry and we stopped at a and I went to McDonald's I couldn't figure out an order because I wanted a pop. Because they, there were no people. They had like little machines. I said, "Fuck it." I walked out, and then I went over to this restaurant. And had really good French fries, like garlic stuff on them, and that was. Mm. Otherwise, I'm, that was great. Hmm. 
Hmm. my weird rant that I wasn't expecting. <laughs> I'm just I'm suspicious of these of these French fry tastes. I need to hear like honestly for me, this is where this is my this is my gold right now. Like I want to talk all about your French fry taste and what's going on there <laughs> and what you actually want from it. Is it the crispiness? What is it? Is it the thickness you don't like? I think a lot of it was just the hungerness played a big part in this when I remember it. I'm not so sure. So it was only really good because you were super hungry. Yeah. See, I think for so. us for us French fry eaters, we mostly eat them because we're bored. So, like, I don't know if you're going to be a part of the community in the right way. Like, I don't ever need to eat French fries, but do I need to eat, like, a French fries bowl the size of my head? Like, yes, because I'm bored and not hungry. I'm so never I that think, bored. Yeah, I'm always that. That's the, that's the secret. I'm always eating French fries. <laughs> hey, you just got to do... F- Multiple, I was going to say you got to do multiple podcasts, but you already do multiple podcasts. So yeah, <laughs> are you kidding? This could be hack thought. I could talk about French fries. I am not bored at all. I could talk about French fries and how they are unnecessary, but the best food ever for I'd say at least nine hours, and not bore not bore myself. I might bore the listeners, but I'm I'm not going to bore myself. I could do this for a while. <laughs> are you bored, listener? Are you eating right. French fries? <laughs> a couple more things that we should mention about Castlevania. Uh, some of the levels that I wanted, like one, you do fight a moth boss, which I I only reason I want to mention this because. When you first see this boss in France, it looks it's a woman and you hit her a few times and then she turns into a giant moth. And I just really I like that. I thought that was cool. Didn't it's, get there. And it's very different. It's oh, no, I I have never really played this. Like I, I had seen this game before and I had seen videos of it. I seen friends play. But this is my first time ever actually going through it. Like also you fight death in this game in the final level. But this has got to be the weirdest death fight in the entire Castlevania series. Yeah, he throws a bunch of tarot cards at you. Yeah, and then you just fight old bosses or you get a bunch of vampire meat, as Mike put it earlier. Yeah. Because he just, Again, he just spits meat at you. Yeah, so how does it work? A, I didn't see, I didn't see this one. It reminded me of Gunstar Heroes, of the, the, the board game level, where it kind of warps you in to fight other things every now and then. It, death comes oh, okay. up. He springs, a, er, springs. He spins a bunch of cards around you. You hit a card, pick any card, and then you end up fighting different bosses from previous in the game that have less health. And after you beat the boss, he spins more cards, and then you keep picking different cards. And some of the, and if you're playing the easier difficulties like I was, some of the cards will give you health to fill up your health. Also, there's also mini bosses that are only on hard difficulties, like the, I didn't fight. Like Frankenstein's monsters in this game, but I didn't fight them because I played on a lower difficulty. Huh. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. You mean in the last level? Because you fight Frankenstein in normal. No, on the music in a different factory. level. Oh, okay. But okay. He's not, he wasn't in, on easy. When I played on easy, I never fought him. That sounds eerily similar to King Dice in Cuphead, uh, what you're describing with death. It, it's really annoying with death. And then after that, then after you do the card thing, then you have to actually have to fight him. But he's really simple. It is not a hard death fight. Because I wonder if it's a reference in, in Cuphead. Because with King Dice, you... You are playing a roulette wheel and then it just like you kind of warp into different levels. And then eventually, if you hit the right board piece, he just starts fighting you. And it's 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 really jarring. I, I'm wondering if it's like if there's some specific references to this Sega Genesis yeah. Castlevania. It might just be a Japanese thing that they tap into every now and then. We're not knowing what the original source is for this. I, I Moths are sort of creatures of the night, aren't they? They're they're yeah. they are a little bit uh in the, I don't know why there's not moth and vampire association more. It's a good question. Doesn't out doesn't um oh man well who's the assistant? Ren, doesn't Renfield eat moths? I think he eats moths or flies. I can't remember in we, the original track. Oh I you I have no idea. I've never read the book or seen the movie or anything. Oh re- read the book. All, every movie about Dracula is garbage. Don't believe anyone. <laughs> read the read the book and then watch Blade. Those are the only things we're uh, doing. Well, funny you should track. mention Blade. Uh, That's going to be on the show soon. We did an episode about it. Wesley Snipes? Yeah. Yep. 
is going to be on this show? No, <laughs> but we talked about the movie. Yeah, I love those movies. I think they're they're awesome. Do you guys not? Are you guys not hyped on Blade? I I like Blade One. Yeah, uh, less I like much. all three actually. <laughs> I've only seen you like all three. Me too. First, first, first. Uh, uh, what's his name? Deadpool appearance in the Marvel universe. That's his first foray into the world of Marvel. Oh, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. 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 That's a great. I love the idea of they introduced the idea of like vampires being parasitic, like parasitic animals that would have like unhinged jaws. Oh, so good. Yeah. I might have different opinions that you'll hear about eventually <laughs> while played if you listen to that episode, but it's still good. It's still pretty. Oh. I just, I just, what was that? That was Blade. <laughs> so that we start talking about Blade, things happen. <laughs> All right. Uh, trying to think anything else we should, uh, oh, and the final, like the final Dracula fight in this game, because of course, as you get to the end of the game, Dracula does get resurrected. Well, you fight Elizabeth Bartley, which is actually different depending on what difficulty you're playing on. The way I fought her on easy, she turns into Medusa and then I killed her. But if you fight on normal or expert, she turns into Medusa, you kill her, and then she turns into herself and flies around. You got to hit fight her some more. This is the most Medusa-less game, now that you mention it. There's Medusa heads, but there's not a whole lot of them, which I'm, I'm yeah. not complaining. Me neither. Although, like, <laughs> like, now when I play other Castlevania games, it's like I've mastered it. And so sometimes I'm kind of like, oh, I'd rather have a Medusa head right now. Because, like, I think the fear of them, them. is now what, yeah. No, everyone hates them. <laughs> They're the worst enemy. It's, it's so amazing how game designers work. It's like, what's the most dreaded enemy in games? One that goes, like, in a little up and down motion gently across the screen. That's the scourge of the <laughs> video game world. Fear of all gamers. Well, Ninja Gaiden, little stupid birds. Do you know, I don't have enough time to be upset about Ninja Gaiden. <laughs> I've been playing Castlevania for six years. I am not even, I'm not even up to that yet. You know what I mean? I can't. I can't yet. I don't. It's like how I pretend there's no second ending to Ghosts and Goblins. Like, that's it. There's no, there's not it a second be. play. Yeah, I can't. I just pretend Ninja Gaiden doesn't exist. And I'm like, I played all the hard video games. <laughs> I'm just done with it. Like, why? It should not. Ghosts and Goblins should not have had that second part. That was completely stupid -y. And so does Ghouls and Ghosts, speaking of the Genesis. They all do. Yeah, why? It's, I don't know why. I, I don't get it. Ghouls and Ghosts, by the way, I'll put that up there in terms of games we're talking about, way better for the Genesis, Ghouls and Ghosts, than Super Ghosts and Goblins, which is unplayable in my opinion. <laughs> Not worth Rewind on the, on the Switch. Well, okay, here's the thing. It's not about rewind. It's about emulation. That game has so much slowdown. I don't understand yeah. how people play it. And it's like the same type of amount of enemies on the screen on the Genesis, almost no slowdown. So it's like, I'm fine with it being hard. It's like, why would I play a game with that much slowdown is my whole issue. It's That's like, fair. it's just, it's just so painful. Like, I don't want to watch it. It's like playing like a PlayStation one game that doesn't work. It's like, no, I'm fine with the graphics. It doesn't work though. Like I'm okay with the old graphics. It just doesn't work. Okay. Fix it. Subway sandwiches. That's what I assume is responsible for those sorts of things. <laughs> Subway sandwiches made out of cake and hot bread. Uh, Yoga mats, right? I mean, I, I like the Dracula fight. I like how the, the first part of the Dracula fight is like the old style Dracula fight where he just you, you jump, you hit him in the face. He shoots out fireballs or some kind of projectile. And then it keeps going like that. I thought that was really cool. I mean, the second phase where he looks like a wannabe death and flies around made absolutely no sense to me. Yeah, that definitely fell out of left field. But I'll take it. And then that, and then third form where he turns like a freaking demon that looks like, as, as I was watching a YouTube video and the guys called him Zombor from Chrono Trigger. You're not wrong, oh, sir. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not wrong. Got a face in the crotch and everything. I like Zombor <laughs> a lot, by the way. What's with the face in the crotch? That's like a thing in a lot of different Japanese games with devils and stuff. You know... I got, I was going to, maybe they had a fear. Like I, I, I know that 
like the reason why Frieza is the way that Frieza is is because at the time the guy wasn't okay, was kind of like scared of transsexual, and that's what has the part to do with why Frieza looks like the way Frieza is. Wow, weird. I'm not sure if I'm right, but that's what I've heard the rumor. And it, I mean, again, at the time that Dragon Ball would have came out, where people would not have been, you know, were still new to that and wouldn't have, you know, hell, people still are not okay with it when they should be. So, I mean, that's that's, that's what I've heard. So, I mean, it could be something just different of a different culture where. You know, we're just not to them, you know, having a having a mouth, having a mouth and face where your crotch is, is like, a t- you know, a demon like thing. I don't know. It's weird. Anything weird like that. I just assume it's H.R. Geiger's fault. It's probably his fault in Subway Sandwiches is what I assume. H.R. Geiger. H.R. Geiger from the aliens. Does not compute. Yeah, uh, he's the guy that does all the in Alien and Aliens and Aliens. Oh, he's like a costume designer or something. Or he's a, or he's a, he's he's one of the weird people in Hollywood that is just like an artist and almost okay. did nothing on the movie, but sort of is like an art director in terms of like here's a creepy painting I've done. Make your whole <laughs> okay. movie fit this. If if there's something foul like in a horror movie, it's probably him. Yeah, it's a lot of ribs. Okay. It's a lot of like extended um whatever. Uh, you know, mandibles and stuff like that. That's deformed sort of human anatomy is is his thing. I don't even see two-faced demons, Japan. Don't search face crotch, Japan. (laughs) I'm not going to. But, like, even, like, two-faced demon, two-faced devil, like, nothing. It's just, like, two devil faces is one of them. Just, like, the idea that there are two devil faces. It's also not a super hard boss fight. Like, I've I've done a lot of Dracula fights over over my years, and this one wasn't too bad. Like, it's not – he jumps around a bunch of fireballs at you, but it's pretty – it's pretty doable, even though it has three forms. It's still, I, I would say, doable. I mean, I use save state, so I can't talk too much. But <laughs> it's crazy it to me that you've played multiple Dracula bosses and you think you're bad at the game. Like that's insane to me. It's a totally well, different experience. When I'm saying I've did multiple Symphony of Night, Portrait of Ruin, Area of Sorrow, yeah. Circle of Moon, it's all the Igarashi ones that you know are RPGs where I was able to do it. Like Portrait of Ruin, you fight Death and Dracula at the same time. Fuck, that's hard. Like I mm, <laughs> that that I did without save state. Whew, that was hard. Yeah, I'm getting the impression all I've done is play the unpleasant Dracula, I mean, Castlevanias, and, like, maybe I should play ones that are, like, uh, good, like you know, fun, that you can Symphony play in one level. And Game Boy Advance on, the six that came out after that are all RPG Metrovania ones, and they are <laughs> amazing. There are definitely people that prefer this style of Castlevania, though, over the, yeah, the newer ones. Yeah, like addicts. Like there's, I am one of them, and I'm <laughs> sick in the head. There's nothing good about it. I prefer it because it's like I have a, a strange compulsion to play it. I only prefer because it it's all I know. You know what I mean? It's like I don't want that. I have Symphony of the Night on I think a. That's called Stockholm syndrome. It is. I, that's totally what it is. That's what that's what happens to Jonathan in in the Dracula novels. Is like <laughs> he's trying to get affinity for me. I'm locked. It's literally Dracula. I've been locked in his castle, and now I love him, and I love being here. Oh. Yeah, definitely. I would say you can skip Circle Moon, but play Harmony of Disavents. That is a really good game for Game Boy Advance. That's one yeah, I've, I've never got, beaten. I've got, the only uh, one I've never. I've got a I'll 3DS. I, or how are those ones? Those are the ones next on my collecting list. Uh, Portrait of Ruin is really good. Dawn of Sorrow is really good. And Order of Ecclesia is supposed to be one of the best ones, but it's also it's hard and yeah, the most it's super hard. But it's good. Well, this experience has taught me that, you know, Don, those three that you named on the DS are often pirated and put onto uh, 3DS and DS. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because they won't. Konami really should have just re. I mean, you could re-release them easily on the Switch on many different things. They don't really even use a dual screen except for maps. But Konami is Konami and won't re-release. I mean, they did that Castlevania collection that we got, but it isn't. It's kind of a half-ass collection. We we should have got more Castlevania games, and we got we should have 
we didn't get any of the Igarashi stuff, but I mean, I'm glad Konami did something that they tried. Let me ask y'all one question, because I don't know if you've ever said it on the episodes I've listened to, maybe earlier on. I'm sort of newer to the podcast and listening. What When you play emulations, what are y'all actually, what are you holding? What controller or what are you playing with? A I usually use a, yeah, a wired 360 controller for the, on the PC. Oh, that's, that's fascinating. I wouldn't have guessed that. I, I've been playing on a Buffalo SNES reproduction for the PC. So I actually played this Genesis game on a SNES controller. So I have was... SNES controllers, but I really like the way it feels in my hand with the, the Xbox wired controller 360. Mm-hmm. So that, that's why. But I, I have tried it with the other controllers. It just with the, with a 360 controller, depending on the, what I'm playing, I can I can put save states on the trigger. So I like having the more buttons sometimes. That's so cool. That's so see, this is like a whole other culture that I don't know because <laughs> of my weird staunch ability to like like I just for work reasons, like I'm making movies, I got a, a computer that can handle steam because of certain things uh, that are boring. But like, I guess it's not boring to your listeners. Essentially, I have two graphic cards in my machine now. So if it's lighter work that I'm doing, it doesn't interfere with processing video if I play a game while I'm doing it. So it's like, uh, it's been interesting doing Steam, but I'm like, I'm new to all of this. And it's interesting to hear the culture of like having the staves. Yeah, like I play on the Wii a lot, the Wii classic, and you can do the save states straight from the controller. So mm, it's just a whole interesting thing to me. I'm new to it. I mean, it's a whole new world. <laughs> it, it, I, I love emulation just for the simple fact that so many of these games will never be re-released and never will come back. And I'm not, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to track down an old copy of something, you know, on eBay and pay some guy fifty dollars, you know, and pick up old, old hardware. Like if they, if, if they want to resell it to me for a couple bucks, I will buy it on Steam for a couple bucks. I, I just will because I want to support them. But you know, if you're not gonna, if you're not gonna give me that option, I'm, I'm not interested. Castlevania in this game playing it had a special place in my heart. This was like a really interesting experience you guys gave to me because for me, I do collect games, and I have a pride in saying that my game collection itself is always at in the black, as it were. It's always at neutral. So if I sell an old game, I buy new games or whatever it is. It's always self sufficient because of my collecting. And Castlevania Four is one of my sort of prized collector's items i sold conquer's bad fur day um a terrible game that i don't care about and i bought a few games and an snes you know very good condition copy of castlevania 4 so it was like really cool to get to you guys sort of gave me an experience that i don't think i would have been open to both morally and just experience in life-wise and what i would have never thought buy a bootleg copy of this see what it's like playing on an emulator i don't think i would have done that if it wasn't for this podcast i'm glad i was able to give you new insurance <laughs> I mean, I, I've been in emulation ever since I was in middle school. So let's, oh God, uh, to early 2000s, I want to say, is when I first found out about it on a site called qualityroms.com that doesn't exist anymore. That was my very first experience to emulation. It's an interesting moral quandary, especially as an artist. Like I make my money off of people buying my work. So for me, it's something I can't do. But then when you look at it from a historical standpoint, right? Like that's kind of terrible that like I mean, someone I, without money can't experience I it. Like I, I know exactly what you're talking about because... I mean, I don't make my money off my art, but I know what you mean. It's just for me, a lot of it has to do with like what stuff is available. And like Eternal Darkness, example, a game that we covered a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. is not available in any way except for a GameCube copy. And it's a great game that's never going to get re-released because the company went bankrupt or went out of business, whatever the hell happened to them. Um, Nintendo's not going to re-release it. They're just they don't care. It's not their style of game. And if you want to buy it online, you're looking at paying, you know, over 60, 70 dollars to get a copy of this game. 
or yeah, trending at seventy five dollars right now just for the disc only. Like it's not you know, and someone who won't experience this game, like emulate it because not like when if I buy this copy off eBay, not like Nintendo or, or Silicon Knights gonna make any money off it. Just some guy who sat on it for the last you know so many years. It's interesting because I took I want I I'm reticent that I didn't take enough game classes in. Uh, college i went to an art college but like we had a library and if you needed to play a game the professor would have to provide you in the, the the few game classes i took they'd have to provide you with the games and i wonder why that isn't a service now because for movies that is a thing like for historical purposes you need to let people students especially you know it's sort of not need but it's sort of known morally in order to educate people you need to provide them with copies of the art that are for educational purposes and that isn't a thing in games as much I, i'm surprised it isn't it's, like because i would subscribe to a library you know i think his games aren't because are still in that like are they art which they are but it's still that that argument that hasn't is still being reached to people I, I think the problem is is you're not getting enough art scholars into video games you're getting a lot of video game scholars who have an art background or a film critic background but you're not getting a lot of people who are like i study painting i apply for grants i have this historical need to preserve stuff i'm going to get into video games and 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 start an initiative like this to say it's important to preserve games the way they were and have the creators say you know to write it down because that's that's a crime it's a crime that we don't understand why when mario was released why that's some point oh, no, of... it's really <laughs> stupid like i i will st- yeah it's and i it's not something i would have known except for a podcast i was into uh geek box they talk about it every so often <laughs> so yeah we need that initiative we need that intellectual snobbery to come into gaming because it's really annoying to me like it, it should be we should know that stuff we should be upset about it not just like that's the internet you know like that's why I, I, that's why I'm such a big you know proponent of emulation. I don't tell people where to go to get emulation, but people ask me, I'll, I'll you know I won't. I, I help out people because it's, again, it's like and, and the thing I always thought about emulation: the most people are going to emulate or pirate something, they're not going to buy it in the first place. Like they're just going to experience it this way because like like I went through a big phase where I would where I was into that type of into that world because I didn't have any money. I mean, once I was no. once I started working again and had more money, I stopped it and bought stuff. I'd rather have stuff in my collection than just you know because it doesn't mean anything. You have your when you have a hard drive just full of random you know stuff that you're never going to watch. It doesn't it, it has no meaning to you. But when you actually go and own the DVD, own the game, it has so much more meaning on your shelf. Well, but it's it's and to me as as an artist who is able to to pay for for film school and all those different things, there's an implication to the idea that only rich people can go to film school because only rich people you know can have access to a camera and that has shattered i would never existed in that world growing up i could have a camera because of phones you know what i mean it was (laughs) it's this thing and so it's like okay you want to say that computers and video gaming isn't a a a barrier to entry for people with less money it's like uh okay i can't play any of the classic games because they're nine hundred dollars you don't see that as a problem that i can't go and play like they make copies available of like the godfather at the library <laughs> you know or just they re-release it multiple times like um one one game I, before we get off the stop i want to mention is little samson for nes that game goes for like 800 900 i think on mm-hmm. ebay and it will never get re-released the company doesn't exist it was a late nes title but it's supposed to be a pretty good game that will be on the show someday and people can't experience it because of this huge gap that's in there that's really just a collector's piece that people who buy it they just put it away and don't ever and just say i own it they're never going to actually play it because why would you want to play something that you just spent 900 dollars on you want to keep that thing nice and safe it's interesting right because i can see the mona lisa without going to the uffizi or wherever it is now but i can't see little samson you know what I mean? That's I can see the the Mona Lisa on the internet, but I can't like. There needs to be some line drawn because it's a digital media of like, okay, this is a way you can experience. Oh, I mean, 
and I was wrong about the price. Sorry, it's only sixteen hundred dollars if you buy it now. <laughs> oh, well, well then why are we whining about poor people? Get it together. <sighs> Get your sixteen hundred dollars and buy little things. <laughs> yeah, like I said, it is ridiculously expensive, and there are bids on it. Like there's a there's an, one on eBay as we're currently talking. Thirty two bids for one thousand one hundred twenty five dollars. Like that to me, that's just like you know that that's the thing about like. You know, that's why I agree with you about collecting and, you know, I think there should be ways to, for people like. That. But guys, here's the thing. If you're buying a little Samson copy, make sure it's not shaved because then it doesn't work. It <laughs> no joke. All right. Um, one quick thing I want to mention about this game before we go on to questions, comments or memories is uh, the ending of this game, I think, is. It's, again, a real brief little cutscene where, depending on which character you play as, they both are standing on a rock as they're watching the castle crumble down. I think that's a really cool little scene. Apparently, you don't get to see the whole thing unless you play on the harder difficulties. Yep, I saw that when I was watching the video just now. I was like, I don't remember that cutscene. Like, this is a totally different experience for me, too, with, like, hard games. I just don't experience story and games the same way. Like, I just, I'm done. Like, that's it. I don't know what happens at the end. It's such a hard game that I'm just like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Like, I'm what I experienced at the end of Mega Man, like, 4 is me running around my apartment, like, throwing stuff, celebrating because I beat it. You know what I mean? That's what I experienced. I don't know what happens at the end of that game. I don't. Uh, Wily doesn't die and come back in the next game. Oh, great. I'm glad all my hard work was worth it. Right, well. I, I don't remember who the villain... I mean, I'm sure the villain in 5 is Wily again, but I'm sure there's some other yeah, fake it's villain. The, it's the fake proto-man in that one. Okay. <laughs> all right, let's go to questions, comments, and memories. I, I didn't post this in a lot of groups because I it was a week, but I did post in a couple Castlevania groups, and I actually got more response than I expected because people like this game. First, I'm going to start with Overblood, as always. Overblood came out this time. All right, and I actually did not asked this question yet this whole episode, or we kind of touched on it, from Ron Hutone. Do you use Triton Boy or Whip Boy? <laughs> Triton Boy. I use you know, Whip. I, I played as Eric. I was going to go back and play as John. I'm like, nah, once had, is enough. You had a week from hell, so I don't blame <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, that's that's fair. Who's and Eric? Who's John? John is the guy with the whip. Okay. Yeah, John Morris and Eric Lacard. And Wonder, this, and, wonderfully imaginative names, guys. <laughs> I wonder yeah, why one, we never heard of this. <laughs> and this one from Blake Howell. I played all the Castlevania games multiple multiple times. However, I didn't play this until last year, and I honestly fell in love with it. I think I think the level is some of the most unique and diverse, and the moment-to-moment gameplay is great. I also love that you get to pick between multiple characters right away. I find the change they made to the Western version really deplorable, however. There was no reason to change the character's appearance simply because they were feminine and the localization is kind of bad, but I love the game. I did mm. not know that. Yeah, you talk about eric how he did like a little feminine in the, in the east and when they moved him to the west they they like left him up a bit oh yeah very strange right. this is I still mean, a controversy to this day i'm a big fan of the uh chinese pop band uh the nine and uh one of their members kalu is from a uh chinese pop band simply meant to look uh androgynous and mostly like boys they were they were pitched as the girl band that looks like a k-pop boy band and it does cause controversy amongst people all it's still all over the world that someone could dress that way so it's uh it's so weird to hear that this was straight up censorship mm-hmm. and another one from chris Merveka, the first Castlevania game that I beat from beginning to end, le- Leaning Tower of Pisa level is the biggest highlight that level is badass though i will say that. so easy as well though i loved it so cool looking, but so easy. I wouldn't just jump easy, up. We, we can go with that. Sure. You ju- I feel like, am I good at these games? Because I feel like you just <laughs> jump. You just jump up. I don't know. I I suck at old school games in general. Like I I am not good at any old school stuff in general. It's just me. 
So I'm sorry I put you through this. this. <laughs> I put myself through this. That's why I saved it. It's okay. But it's just, I like, I played old Mega Man games. I was never good at them. Like, when I was a kid, I only played RPGs in Super Nintendo. I loved RPGs because I could, I could level and level and level so I could make things work. But, like, no one's good at them. That's the thing is that, like, I'm not good. No one's good at these games. You just lose constantly. My My partner cannot watch me play, like, any of these old games because, like, I just am constantly losing over and over again. And she literally gets like, she's like, I would hate doing this. Like, why are you doing this to yourself? It's like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know why, but I like it. Like, no one's good at it. You just lose a thousand times. It's definitely from that era of this is what you got for Christmas. This is the only game you have to play. Yeah, so but I was you, never in that era. Right, I'm doing right. it now. I can go and play something <laughs> better. I, I, it's just like you just have to get used to it. I feel like it's like it's like game exercising. It's like yeah, no one. It's like oh, I hate exercising. It's like yeah, join the club. None of us do. Everyone would rather die than be an Olympic champion. Like uh, oh, no and we're actually gonna that. do a little bit change of our format for this for this part of the episode. I will come back to question, but because we're running low on time for our for guest Mike, we're actually gonna oh. do shelf or box. For guest Mike, and then go back to questions. <laughs> I know you got to get going here in a second. Yeah, uh, obviously shelf. Okay. 100%. I mean, I have my bootleg copy. It's on my shelf. It's <laughs> I, I want a shelf. copy of this game now. If I don't have one when I dig through my collection, which I is at my parents' house, I'm going to I'm gonna track down a copy of this game because I, I want a copy. Can I tell you something, Mike? Other Mike? Mike Borg? Like, if you don't have a copy, mine cost $5. I'm happy to mail mine to you. It's a fake copy. You can have it. No one's going to buy I my fake game. I need a case. Okay, would you like me to to write on a post-it note? <laughs> Pass and radio, whichever one this is. <laughs> Draw a little vampire teeth underneath the sea. Oh, and, and before you leave, Mike, do you want to say where people, again, give a shout out to your podcast? Yeah, I, I think that for gamers, hashtag cult.org, like the, the, there's been a scourge in the world of comments and the word troll and a lot of game fans and things like that are getting associated with some really, you know, uh, what we discovered to be a cult on the Internet. And like, I think that learning about where uh, you know, these, these quote unquote trolls are uh, what they're doing and how they're acting on the internet is something really important to me in playing games and having this as a hobby. And we actually just did an episode about what games you play and, and how, what, how you spend your time on the, the internet. If you listen to hashtag cult podcast, but like, it's really interesting. I think it will make positive people like, you know, nerds without pants and, and, oh man, I love this show. I just love positive gaming. Like it just, it's just, just nice people. I just like nice people who can play a game and be like, this was fun. So like for fans of this show, I mean, go check it out because it, I've felt other in the world of gaming because people describe trolls and hateful people on it. And researching this cult, uh, in hashtag cult podcast is really liberating to know. It isn't like my friends. It isn't like the people that uh, are getting associated with it acting this way on the internet. Now, on the other hand, if you agree with me that socks should never be balled up and that's ridiculous, then go listen to Hack Thought Podcast, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to thank you again for coming on, Mike. It was, it was good to have you. Awesome, guys. I'll talk to you later. All right, man. Well, that's pretty back you, on. <laughs> Bye. All right. And then we'll go back to questions, memories. I know a little bit weird content for us, but we wanted to get that out there before he had to leave to go do some other work. So, I, I do want to, so I'm going to go to the Castlevania Shrine group on Facebook that I, I shot it out and they gave me some comments. I was, first I got to say, I'm just surprised that so many people, because I, I never experienced this game until so many years later that <laughs> a lot of people played, I mean, I, I guess I'm, you know, thinking of like a small world, like when I, I feel like I was very into games and 
Maybe I, I wasn't as much as I thought. But first one from Brittany Stewart. It's one of my all-time favorite games from the from the franchise and was an important part of my childhood. I personally feel it has one of the best OSTs, and I've always loved the level design and how the stages took you through different parts of Europe. I always played as Eric because getting used to the Alucard Spear was a fun change from the usual vampire killer whip. I agree with her. Yeah, makes sense. I... I don't know. I, I don't. I either. I thought either character was fine. Did you have a preference to one or the other? I mean, I know you only play as a card, but is that who you played? I would past? imagine John plays just like every other Belmont, so it yeah. was a nice change of pace. Okay. Yeah, he does. Uh, from Colin Prosick. Good. There, good. There's some great level designs. Also, the Pike weapon was my favorite. Well, it's a good weapon. Mm-hmm. And from Jennifer Powell. Bloodlines is one of my favorite games in the franchise. The music is great. Levels are great. And I was always a fan of being able to play as Eric. I've always thought Bloodlines is very underrated. Lots of great memories here. It is underrated. I, I feel like this is one of the more unknown titles because it wasn't released besides in Genesis back in the day. It never came out anywhere else. It didn't come out until, God, what year was the, the anniversary collection? <laughs> so recent. Uh, I had it pulled up, but I don't anymore. 2018, 2019? It yeah, very it's, it's very recent. I just can't remember when. And the internet is failing me at the moment. Or my failing the internet, I don't know which one that is. So, that doesn't matter here. All right. And then from the <laughs> other group that I also posted in, from Castlevania Retro Gamers. Actually got a lot. I, I said this game is underrated. Dave Dave G said it's not underrated. The game is lit. You're not wrong, sir. Uh, from Jack Crawwell. It's my favorite Classicvania style entry. Here's a good one. William Maddox. Bought this today. Came out at Funkoland. <laughs> Funkoland. Loved this game. And now I play it on the Castlevania collection on my, on my Nintendo Switch. How did you? Oh, you played it. I was going to say, did you play this on the Switch, Mike? Then I remember. Yeah. <laughs> you play it the right way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's no. Uh, I'm sure I could beat it eventually, but given our time constraints, there's no way I was going to do given it. Your, and given yeah, your well, week from yeah. being, being almost dead or whatever. Hey, it's perfect for a Castlevania game. You got to, you got to almost feel like Dracula, almost die and uh, go back to life. That's fair. <laughs> you didn't seem as amused at that joke as I was just now in my head. <laughs> um, and from Rob. It really is a fun and smooth playing Vania. What I don't get is all the love for the soundtrack. However, personally, I find it cheesy and the sound effects are pretty bad, too. I played I played the music on for this game. I didn't really pay attention because, you know, that's me. The only you? the only standout track was when you after you beat uh, Elizabeth and you go to the oh, next yeah. screen and uh, Simon's theme starts playing from Super Castlevania 4. It's that was cool. So good. That that did get me kind of like, even though I don't I've never beat Castlevania 4. It's a hard one, too. I, I tried. Before we started the podcast, I was trying to play it legitly, and I couldn't finish it. And one, one, we'll play it for a mini, probably for the show someday. I want to say it's one of the ones on the Switch. So rewind. Yeah. Okay. You have my attention. Uh, from Timothy Andrews, first game I ever bought with my own money. It was twenty eight bucks at a mom and pop retro kiosk in the mall in ninety five. I was thirteen. Good time. I like that. I miss that kind of stuff. Just walking down and seeing just random used games. I, I think it's going to change because I think get, after GameStop dies, something will take its place and you'll, and you'll see. I mean, even though we're going very digital, I think we're still going to be physical media off and on for a while. It's yeah. not as much to support an entire company like GameStop. Right. It's going to be more used game focused since that's what's out there right now. And from last question I'm going to read from Othanio Munas. This is by far my favorite game of the 16-bit era. It's gory, creepy, action-packed, and brutal. You know, I'm happy that for, this is somebody's favorite game from that era. Unfortunately, mine is, you know, tied up. But I'm happy that somebody really enjoyed this game that much. Makes me feel good. So how many of these people that say they love this game over all their Castlevanias only had a Genesis and not a Super Nintendo? <laughs> I didn't ask that. Question, but <laughs> I'm, you know, compared to like, okay, I never played Rondo of Blood. I will someday. I have no. never really played Dracula X very far. I will someday. But I have, so I have played Castlevania 4, and 
I like this game more than Castlevania Four, personally. Yeah, that's fair. I also like World War One a lot, so it helps that it, it's in the, <laughs> it's set in that time zone, and I and I thought it was so creative. That that plays a big part in my decision with this game. All right, I think we should go back to shelf or box. We said earlier our guest Mike did put this on the shelf, but now it's time for the other two mics to decide what they're going to do with it. And Michael Hughes, since you were this was your pick, why don't you go first? Oh man, so I love Castlevania, but I'm one of those. Uh, I'm part of the problem. I only like the Igavania ones. So from Symphony on, like I played at least some of all the classic style Castlevanias, but they're just too hard as nails for me. So I will take Symphony of the Night over something like this any day. So it's got to go in the box. Oh, ooh, that's not what I expected. <laughs> I'm actually going to put this on the shelf. Cause I, I mean, I say stayed, I cheated, sure. Uh, but I had fun. Like, I had a really good time playing this. And I, I beat it. I even played it twice. Like, I didn't have to. But I'm like, I want to play with each character. I mean, it helped that I was able to beat this in one city before work. But hey, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's going on the shelf. And I'm really glad you picked it because I, I have played through this unseen parts of it, I never actually really sat down and played with it, and thanks to you, I now beat this game. Yeah, so. it's fine, but I like I like leveling up and getting equipment. Same. And wandering I, out of giant maps and whatnot. I don't like the classic Vanias as much, but I do, I mean, we'll play them for the show, of course, because I want to, but yeah, I'm a much bigger fan of the Igarashi Metrovania games. We got one of those coming up. Yes, we do. Actually, not that far away, but I also do want to say this: that the sequel to this game, Portrait of Ruin, is really fucking good. I'm Second favorite Castlevania game. Okay, it's definitely going to be on the show eventually. Oh, absolutely. I, 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 that takes place during World War II, and we had to do this one first, because we, when we do cover Portrait of Ruin someday, we will reference the hell out of this one. So Yeah, it was almost on next season. I, I would have been okay with that. Yeah, that's a good lineup, though, that we got. All right, and I think, uh, Mike, why don't you introduce what we're talking about next week, because it's your pick again. Uh, we're talking about that other EA-published trilogy that they won't remaster or re-release, Dead Space. <laughs> the first one. That's going to be... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So getting some good Spooktober stuff coming out for you guys. And mentioning Blade, I'm pretty sure Blade will... Uh, okay, I'm more than pretty sure Blade will be the episode that comes out after this for you guys to, get, to enjoy the movie episode. So look enjoy. forward to that. Enjoying quotation marks. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed editing it, too. All right. I think that about wraps up everything we need to say on this episode for tonight. And when I want to thank Mike for coming back from the dead to join us again after Blood oh, yeah, Omen 2 tried to kill you. Wouldn't miss it. <laughs> Are you, were you upset that you? How oh, so? We didn't. Were you upset you missed Blood Omen too? Oh yeah, were you get my my personal interview. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I was not upset. Like, granted, I would have much rather played Blood Omen two than be in the hospital for six days. But <laughs> yeah, that game it was fun at first, but it it starts to grind real quick. Oh yeah, you can you can hear me and Julian go all and on about it for almost two hours. Yeah, it'll be nice to have an episode to listen to that doesn't have me on it. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, and I also want to thank everyone for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, we do tons more game episodes. We have 90 other episodes plus comics, movies. So definitely check that out. We're currently still going through the MCU, even though I haven't published one this month due to Spooktober. So <laughs> definitely check out the what, Iron Man 3 is the last one released. And in November, we got two more coming out for you. So be excited for those. Why don't you catch up? You haven't listened to the MCU episode where we covered through the, the rest of the movie somewhere in our in our giant catalog (laughs) (laughs) our intro and plus i want to give an awesome shout out to our awesome intro and outro courtesy of bobby aka mike stoney from his ep bite the bullet song is the cool kid squad definitely check him out there'll be a link in the show notes there'll also be a link in the show notes to uh mike fallick's pod both his podcasts definitely check him out if you enjoyed listening to him i can't remember what the hell they were called just now because my brain just farted but you'll see a link (laughs) in the show note also Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, where I'm constantly posting new images of what's coming up with the show whenever a new episode gets released, and also images of the upcoming game. Get you excited for what we're doing. 
All right, and I think that's all that I need to say for tonight. I want to thank everyone for listening. We will see you guys all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.